This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. The Blood Red podcast, an emergency Blood Red podcast, of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Kai Clark. Welcome along. So after weeks of speculation, confirmation has followed with Liverpool Sporting Director Michael Edwards confirming he'll be leaving the Reds at the end of the season. We'll be discussing why he's going, where it leads Liverpool and how successor Julian Ward will go about replicating the success Edwards has helped bring to Anfield. To get into all of that, we have our own chief, Ian Doyle, our own quiet genius behind the scenes, Sean Bradbury, and the O Squires. I hope you're all well. Um, Channel four, four o'clock, and the news came out that Michael Edwards would be leaving at the end of the season. It's not entirely kind of shocking. This news has come out. It's been being spoken about for a little while, but now we do have official confirmation. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's been made official. We found out what was it four o'clock this afternoon that it came out. We got a little bit of heads up before that, but as you say, it's something that uh, was rumoured back in uh, back in August at the time. I think one or two people are a little bit sceptical about it, but actually, when you look at the reasonings, which I'm sure we'll get into, that Mike Ledwood's given for for not for, for not signing a new deal, it, it, it's fair enough. I mean, it is. It has to be seen as a as a setback for Liverpool. You know, FSG were absolutely, you know, were desperate for him to sign a new deal. They came back for them to him a couple of times, you know, and they were quite keen for him to for him to put pen to paper to extend that that stay at Liverpool, which he's had since what was it, November twenty eleven, been in the job of sporting director for the last five years. But ultimately it's down to the man himself. He's just decided he wants a fresh challenge. But, you know, as far as we're aware, he's not got any other job lined up at the moment. We won't have any shortage of suitors, will he, given his record that he's had it at an Anfield. One place he won't be going though, is pretty, we're pretty sure on this one, is Newcastle. Um, because to be perfectly honest, why would you go from Liverpool to Newcastle if you're in that position? That's not being harsh on Newcastle, but you know, there's every chance they could go down by the time that he finishes at Liverpool. So um, we'll have to see on that. And of course, the other the other aspect of this whole story, as you say, is that Julian Ward's been uh, appointed, or he will be appointed uh, at the end of the season when uh, Michael Edwards goes. That means he's going to have a period of... Uh, of transition in which which Edwards himself is going to be going to be overlooking, which you could argue is that sorry, could contend, I should say, is a little bit unusual, because you know I I put the question to Liverpool about whether or not they'd ever considered you know putting Edwards out on gardenly because he's going to know an awful lot about the ins and outs of Liverpool, and the last thing the Reds want is another team, certainly another Premier League team, finding that out. And they said no, it's fine. You know we've we've got such a good relationship with him that. We don't really want. We don't see any reason to do that. And instead, we're going to use his experience and his knowledge and his relationship that he's got already with Julian Ward, who's been his uh, assistant for the past nearly twelve months now, to actually help him. You know, with with, with the handover and Liverpool hope that it's you know it goes as well as it has done to Edwards. Yeah, definitely, Sean. How how big a kind of I suppose impact is this going to have at Liverpool it feels as though the succession planning has been there for some time whether or not Edwards was going to sign the new contract the contingency there with Julian Ward being assistant and then ready to step up if needed and that's going to be the way it is but Michael Edwards over a decade has has been such a huge part of getting Liverpool back to where they are obviously the club on the pitch has just equaled a club record of unbeaten games prior to the game against West Ham United it has got sort of heady days for Liverpool and it's, it's going to be a huge figure who needs replacing. Oh, absolutely. You know, no doubt. And it's a massive moment in the history of LFC and, and, and more acutely in the history of the FSG era, because he's been absolutely key to it. I think, you know, I think it's amazing with Edwards that he's managed to 
remain in the shadows and stay as this quite enigmatic figure whilst clearly having such a key role and, you know, working so closely with Klopp. You know, he's he's at once a very modern individual, isn't he, with his whole data-driven and analytical approach. But at the same time, there's a bit of an old-school feel about him in the sense of how quiet and under the radar he is. You know, this this open letter that we've already mentioned is, I think it's the most fulsome address or communication he ever would have had with fans. You know, a couple of times he's been interviewed once, uh, I think I remember one around the time of the Kirby move and obviously when he first came to the club. There were bits and bobs, but that, that's part of his mystique and probably part of what's kept him so effective. But yeah, I mean, in terms of how it's going to affect the club, I, I think I see this now as quite an intriguing test of FSG's long-term planning and fundamentally their ability to deal with something that they didn't want to happen. Because as Doyley said, all the noises that have come out of the club, what sources have told us is that they did want to keep him. You know, and I'm like, they've said that openly today, haven't they? And the communications that came out this afternoon. So yeah, I, I think it's it's... It's quite rare that that happens, really, you know. And I, I, I suppose you could look at that. I think that there's there's a t- one test that's already happened in that respect, and that would have been Boo leaving, which you know we never really got the full story behind that, and maybe we won't till the autobiography start getting written in you know twenty thirty years time. But it was something that was a bit of a curveball, came a little bit out the blue. But Liverpool and FSG responded to it well. The team that was built in his in his wake was was strong and has, has obviously won titles and Champions League in the league since. This now almost feels like the second big off-the-pitch test for FSG. You know, what what you do after Edwards is... Ward is obviously the man, and I think it's, it is significant, as Dory said, that he's been around for, I think, about eight years at the club, but he's he specifically had this one year working in tandem with Edwards. And, it, and it's going to continue, isn't it, till the end of the season? That's, that's quite a long transitional period and hopefully, you know, an, an effective and well-managed one. But... Obviously, there is the lingering doubt then, isn't it? Will LFC have the same clout and now in the transfer market when you've got someone who's been steeped in it for so long, handing the mantle over to someone else? Well, I think as well, you know, it's a pointer for the future. You know, if if FSG, they've already handled Buvach well. If they handle the Edwards situation well, which is obviously something that's been thrust upon them that they, they didn't want, as, they didn't, as they've made clear, it's a good test for what's going to happen when Klopp leaves, I think, you know, whether that's in 2024 or, or beyond that. So yeah, I, I just I'm kind of just intrigued almost to see how it unfolds. You know, there, there is no doubt that for all that there was almost a bit of a cartoonish caricature of Edwards, wasn't there, as, as the transfer guru? You know, you, you only have to read what Klopp, Mike Gordon, and others have said, and you only have to read the content of his open letter, which is pretty remarkable. It's very warm and emotional, as well as being quite rich in detail. And I do think it's a great way to sign off. You know, you, you see all that, and you, he clearly was such a, a significant figure in the club. So. Um, yeah, all eyes on how it unfolds now. Is it sort of too over the top, Theo, to say he's a guy who's revolutionised Liverpool behind the scenes with that analytical approach that he's brought to it? First of all, kind of coming in as an analytical sort of scout data person behind the scenes, eventually now becoming the sporting director and the first that Liverpool have kind of had within that role to help transform the club. Because if you think prior to his arrival, the amount of money that Liverpool have wasted in the transfer market of trying to bridge the gap and get back to the top, it's now a complete opposite. The amount of money he's turned in the transfer market, making profits for Liverpool, enabled to bring in players on on cheap salaries and cheap fees and, and make them world beaters. Um, I think it's been a case of Liverpool have found this formula that works and they've just stuck with it. Like we think for most of the Premier League era, there have been so many changes at the top, changes of people in charge of transfers, changes of manager, and it's just got rather messy and they've not been able to have this uh, formula that they've been able to stick to. 
Um, and it's resulted in this mismatch of players being bought for too big a fees, all these flops, players being sold for next to nothing or just seeing out their contracts and the club really falling behind their rivals. Like There was a period when you're looking at Chelsea when they were selling player after player from their academy who had just been out on loan for millions and millions of pounds and they'd never kicked a ball for Chelsea. And you looked at that and you're thinking, well, why can't Liverpool do that? They've got some talented youngsters. But under Michael Edwards, they've been able to. They've been able to make some big money on some players who've really not done much for the club at all. And they've been so forward thinking with how they complete these transfer deals with the, the clauses they put into them from the buyout and um, the sell-on clauses, getting all the profits and uh, appearances. Like even the clause for Coutinho, where it was fine, you can have Coutinho Barcelona, but if you want any of our players in the next two, three years, you're going to have to spend this big premium fee to, to scare them off. And it's just so happened that all this work going on behind the scenes, actually knowing what you're doing and doing a good job has coincided with Liverpool getting it right on the pitch. And now they're in this situation where players aren't being plucked from them and they're having to start over again. It's quite a nice juxtaposition when you compare it to United. You think that they're a mess on the field. They're a mess off the field. Have you got Edward Woodward um, leaving the club? And how, what is their transfer formula? How are they going to hand over there? It's not easy transition. They've got to start from scratch. Whereas Liverpool, you're hoping it's just a case of passing on the baton to Ward. And the fact that he's got this job uh, when he's working with Edwards, what, a year, year and a half ago now, he, he said in his letter that he's known from then that it's going to be a 10-year thing, that he's edging towards the exit door. And that promotion would have come with this move in sight. And it is hopefully just going to be a, a nice, simple transitional period for Liverpool. Julian Ward can come in, he can just pick up where he's left off with uh, Michael Edwards. Like He's going to have sat in all the negotiations with new contracts, with signing players, with selling players see how they operate it, see all the clauses that include. And it's not just going to be this bog standard fee where Liverpool just get done over in the market where they're just having to take what they can. It'll be in the best interest of the club for transfer incomings and outgoings in the years ahead. Is there, Doyley, any risk of there kind of being a bit of a grey area between Ward and Edwards now until the end of the season? Because some people will look at it and say, yeah, OK, he's going at the end of the season. We've still a transfer window to get through before then. And the squad still needs addressing who's the man who's actually shaping the vision going into the January transfer window. Could this not actually have been at the end of the summer window that Julian Ward had already had, what, 10 months or so in the position of assistant sporting director then when the speculation all began to come out then? Could they not have sort of had a cleaner break and moved then and Julian Ward be in situ for kind of the the rest of the season, as it were? Or do you think actually it is logical that these two work in tandem now through to the end of the season? And from the summer, we know that it is Julian Ward, the man who's kind of calling the shots when it comes to the, uh, the vision in the transfer market, along with Jurgen Klopp and the rest of the scouting department. Well, I'll ask you a question then. So yep. if you just came into this job that you're doing now, Say you've hosted and you've never really hosted before, but you spent 10 months, 12 months, 18 months working alongside somebody. And by the end of it, you knew that they were going, they knew, and then you'd taken over. It'd be an awful lot easier for you to then, when they'd gone, just carry on with what you were doing because you'd been kind of doing it for the best part of like at least nine months. And I think that's probably Liverpool's way of thinking. Uh, the other thing, I think you've also got to bear in mind what Edwards was also key in introducing was kind of the, you know, the system. You know, he, he was he, obviously the main guy in this hierarchy, but everybody else is still there. And all that's happened is one person's gone, the guy at the top, and 
somebody else has been shifted up. Uh, well, he's not gone yet, but he'll be going and then he'll be shifted up. So while it is a bloke for Liverpool, what they've had is kind of the succession route planned for, you have to argue, because they know when his contract was up and he hadn't signed it up with 18 months ago since last since last December. So but then they throw- will have known. They will have known and they'll have prepared accordingly. And they'll have been looking around at other people, but they'll have known from you know the work that Julian Ward's done with the with the loan players and what he's you know, he'd been more involved in transfers for a, a bit longer than any of us really know, to be honest, because it's not like Michael Edwards was everything by himself. And don't forget that this this summer, Michael Edwards has spent a lot of his time negotiating those contracts for all those players. That's also his remit. So he's been getting stuck into that. And you wouldn't be surprised if if Julian Wool was a bit more concerned with, OK, I'll deal a bit more with the transfers to see what's going on, to see who we can get in, to see what moves. I know Liverpool didn't make any, apart from Canate, any, any signings, but they will have in the fire, you know, other you know, other irons, as it were, and they'll be looking at, at this, that, and the other. So that's he's pro- he'll have been doing that anyway, to be honest. It's not as if someone's just coming in cold and taking over. I think that's what Liverpool were quite keen to avoid. And also, as I said before, it's a strength of the relationship that they have with with Michael Edwards that rather than put him on gardening leave, which was would I would assume would have been the automatic thing they might have done, they've gone, no, actually, we don't think he's going to, you know, we, we know what he'll do in terms of treating us correctly because we've treated him correctly and he'll be there to try and help this succession and make sure that Julian Wall can, you know, hit the ground running when he does do it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Sean, how big would it be a parting gift if the one last thing Michael Edwards can type before he gets off is a shiny new contract for a certain Mohamed Salah? Oh, I mean, that that's absolutely the one, isn't it? If there's anything left to you know give to the fans, I think that would absolutely be it. I mean, he'll have to go somewhere, he won't he, though, to top some of the deals that he that he did. I'm just trying to think now what, what the best thing that has ever happened under his stewardship. I think you've got to say Coutinho, haven't you? Turning an eight million expenditure into a 140-odd million windfall and having the best years of a very talented footballer along the way. And then, you know, that, that money building the foundations of the success we've seen over the last few years. But yeah, I think as a as a final act of legacy, if you could get that salad deal done, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say no to a Michael Edwards statue if he boxed that off, to be honest. No, before we, we move on, I was gonna I was gonna move on to asking Michael Edwards' finest piece of business, but I knew I knew Sean Bradbury wouldn't be able to kind of refuse speaking about Felipe Coutinho for too long. Theo, that has to be the standout piece, doesn't it? Or even I suppose the money he raised for even more reserve type players, the, the likes of Dominic Solanke and the fees he's brought in elsewhere around the club. Those are the deals that I suppose are, are more eye catching. The fact that he's managed to bring in what, 25, 30 million for Mamadou Saku, who was in the reserves. Jurgen Klopp wanted nothing to do with him. He'd had the drugs ban and he still managed to get in a hefty fee for him. The fact that he got 25 million nearly for Ian Brewster, who I don't think he'd made, played in the Premier League, had he? And then you talk about Solanke, all these big fees for players that hadn't been really near the Liverpool first team pitcher. Um, Kevin Stewart, that, he went for what, 8, 10 million? And then they straight back from Hull City, they got Andy Robertson for the exact same fee. How good a deal does that look now? In hindsight, there's so many of these deals. While those are the most eye-catching ones, you've also got to remember the big deals that he's brought in. Like It's all very well um, saying, well, Virgil van Dijk was a record for a defender, 75 million. Alisson was a record for a keeper, 65 million. But Liverpool still had these holes in goal. They still had these holes in the heart of their defence. And they went out and got the best they could to re- fill them. 
And that is the reason they've been able to go on and be champions of the world, champions of Europe, champions of England. Um, it's a team effort, isn't it? Like Jurgen Klopp will have known the players he wanted. The scouting team will have had all these uh, ideas in mind, these players that he could target who'd fit into this team. And then it, they've just got to get the negotiations done and make sure they get the best deal for the club. And that's what they've done. Like we can talk through half this team and say, well, Michael Edwards played a huge part getting them there. And it doesn't matter whether it's a, a 75 million fee on uh, Virgil van Dijk or it's just getting uh, a local talent like Trent Alexander-Arnold on a new long-term contract. They've built this Liverpool team for this period of time. And while some of them are now getting on a bit, they're not going to be here for the end of the next sporting director, the end of the next sport, uh, manager's time at Liverpool. They've still been a huge part of the legacy that the current ones have left behind, handing on the um, bat on themselves to the next generation. We're already seeing that with the likes of Harvey Elliott being brought in. Like You can't overlook that. That was what? Three million, four million pounds for a sixteen-year-old. Granted, it went to a, a tribunal, and we're saying that's looking a pretty good deal now. But in five years' time, that could be looking as one of his best ever deals, and it'll be long after he's gone before you can really see all the benefit of it. Yeah, one of the the central figures and men of that once ridiculed transfer committee, a man who we jumped on beyond hours to discuss and talk about his impact that he's going to leave at Liverpool. Doily, for you, what what deal sort of stands out? Mohamed Salah, I suppose that a real kind of data-driven signing, which we can all look back at now and say, oh, what a signing that was. But at the time, had a few people scratching their heads. Well, yeah, that's one where <clears throat> obviously Klopp had chased a few players that summer and I think Michael Edwards massively championed Salah, didn't he? And he's like, come on, look at him. And then when they had a look, they were like, this is, you know, we, we just have to do this a bit of a no-brainer. I mean, <clears throat> there are other ones, as Theo said. The actual selling of players has improved massively. Um, Liverpool were infamously pretty poor. You know, moving on players that they didn't necessarily need anymore, didn't feel as though fitted to who the manager was. And he's just managed to get top dollar for, for so many of them. Um Probably Andy Robertson. That's an, that's the one I think. But again, it, obviously for the ones like you look at Van Dijk and Allison, and they're obvious ones in terms of oh they're really good at football. But we don't exactly know how much input Edwards had in persuade them to to, to come. You know what I mean? Because that that seems more of a clock thing, doesn't it? He seems to have it, it was then over to Edwards, and I think perhaps you should look at that relationship between Klopp and Edwards. This part of the reason that Klopp signed his new contract is. He was persuaded to, or was influenced by Edwards. He, you know, he said at the time that he was, that was integral to it. So obviously, I think Klopp right and said he was going to go after six years. Now it's, what is it, nine, going to be nine, is it? I think it's going to be nine, isn't it? Yeah, more or less nine. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's maybe seven, sorry. It was going to be seven, yeah. wasn't it? And then it's, it's going to be nine, yeah. So for that, you know, that, that shows how important it is. And it was interesting, Mike Gordon did a few quotes on the on the website in the statements there. Uh, and he was also talking about the whole human side of it. He says, what a nice guy he is. We really like working with him. And I think sometimes people forget that. I mean, he's been at template 10, sorry, 10 years in the same workplace. And obviously people all really like him. And so they'll miss him in, in that regard. But, you know, for all of that, Michael Edwards isn't going to be somebody who scores 25 goals, 30 goals a season for Liverpool. There is that. And I think we have to, I know, even he'd say this, to be honest, you know, but probably we, we never even talk, have we? I mean, to be fair, I did bump. I did bump into him once when he was in New York and had a very brief chat. So that was nice to actually see that he was actually a human being. And and he got out of the car next to me at St. Helens at one of the youth games as well. So, you know, it, that was nice. A nice moment. Um, but but yeah, you know, it is it is a blow for Liverpool. But given the fact that he's the first ever sporting director they've ever had, we don't know what what the future's going to hold because they've never ever been in a situation where they've had to replace what. 
Is there just, a concern, uh, Sean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, can I just jump back in on, on the transfer thing? Like, obviously, I've you know I've said my piece, Coutinho is the one, isn't it, that stands above all the others for, for value and pulling down Barca's pants. But I, I'd flip the question almost and say, is there a bad one? You know, I mean, even even signings where you can say there were some concerns over coming into this season. Oh, look at Cater. I, I know, not speaking perhaps from a position of strength, given that he's injured again at the moment, but he's this season, I think he's looked a £50 million player and there can be no doubt about that. You know, he's been one of Liverpool's best and most consistent players all season. I know there was the first half away to Atletico where certain things were said about him, a little bit unfairly, because, you know, the, the, the team as a whole weren't, weren't brilliant in that 45 minutes. But you know, normally you'd say over a sustained spell of time, if like a manager or a sporting director has, has a 50-50 record of successful transfers, you, you take that. Whereas Michael Edwards has been comfortably 90% plus, if not almost hitting the mark every single time, which which is amazing, really. And and I think it, it's quite interesting in his opening letter, open letter, open letter rather, he says um, that he never envisaged being here beyond 10 years. And I read that initially and thought, mm, do you take that with a pinch of salt? Because is he just saying that now to make everyone feel better, to help with the, the handover to Ward, et cetera, et cetera. But it does feel like he's overseen a process that, you know, Coutinho paid for a lot of that. Um, and then you've got the, the, the second rung of, of transfer activity, like the guys have said, all the deals where I, I don't think you can really separate them. You know, eight million for Robertson, 75 million for Van Dyke, 35 million for Salah. They're all tremendous value in their own way with players who become integral and pay back every single penny of the outlay. Then you've got the sales. That's part of it, as, as Theo said. But I think now that the final kind of rubber stamp on his legacy is is the contracts that are getting tied up, isn't it? You know, and I know we've mentioned Salah already, and that's the one that there's hope can be done over the next few months and, you know, certainly before the end of the season. But just look at what's done been done over the past year, 18 months. You know, that takes a tremendous lot of work behind the scenes. And I know... There'll be some fans, some kind of pockets of fans who, who want to see the big money spent, but getting the contracts done, buying low and selling high, as Liverpool have broadly done virtually every day since Michael Edwards came 10 years ago, it's the best thing you can do, isn't it? And and they've pretty much perfected it. Yeah, he's also got, I suppose, he's changed perception, isn't he, on kind of that sporting director sort of director of football model within English football. Everyone before was, oh, no, it's not happening. Chelsea have operated with one for, for a long while. Manchester City, ever since Pep Guardiola's been there, it's been part of their makeup as well, Theo. But now a lot of clubs, when they're looking to get upwardly mobile, seem to straight away be looking at it. You look at Newcastle, Dolly saying, obviously, it, it doesn't seem as though Edwards is going to be in the frame for going there. But as soon as they've sorted out bringing in Eddie Howe, immediately now the attention is, well, who's going to be the technical director? Yeah, it's just the way football seems to be done these days. Um, you think when Damien Camoli came into Liverpool, that was one that caused a lot of eyebrows to be raised. And you look at his transfer dealings and it wasn't the best. Like, granted, Jordan Henderson has been a great signing long term, but there's a number of misfires at the time. And that's why it was really a model that people didn't like. They didn't embrace. Um, we know what uh, Brendan Rodgers thought of the transfer committee, how he'd want one player, they'd want someone else. And they're just fall out over it and it was a big part of why that didn't quite work out but then Michael Edwards got the sporting director job and it all just settled down and he seemed to be a good fit with Jurgen Klopp and it's changed perceptions in English football because it has been a successful model elsewhere like Klopp would have worked with, um, I think was it Zork with Dortmund I think of it was it Seville or Roma with Monchi there are these players and these teams that have had it go successfully you just need a prolonged period and someone who knows what they're doing and Liverpool have had that with Michael Edwards 
you hope they're going to have it with Julian Ward. But then the credit for them as well is you think of the current market and how it's been over the last few years, that they've gone from spending 30, 40 million on the Mane's and the Salas when that looked a lot of money at the time. And you're thinking they've got to get this one right to within a year, 18 months, Neymar goes for 200 million and Mbappe goes for 200 million, changes the climate completely that you're able to bring in 142 million for Coutinho. And then you go and spend 35 million on, say, an Oxley Chamberlain and he's out of contract in a year's time. Or you go and spend 50 million on players where if they'd been uh, later on, you, they wouldn't have commanded that. And then the pandemic comes in and the figures all change again. Like if it had been a steady market the whole way through, you wouldn't be saying that Diogo Jota would have cost more than Mohamed Salah. It's just the way they've had to adapt to it the whole way through. And how different could their legacy have been if it hadn't been for the pandemic? If they'd been able to go out and say, get Timo Werner for 50 million or whatever other players they had lined up. Like we've always heard these mutterings that Liverpool waiting to spend big again to rebuild the team. And they've just had to delay that and then delay it again and make do with what they've got. And they've done well there, but it could have been even more that Liverpool's hands have been tied by the pandemic. There's no doubt about that. But the fact that they've still managed to keep them as this team that's challenging at the top and still build a successful team, that's probably one of the biggest hurdles Michael Edwards has had to overcome. And when it's been so up and down, that's another credit to him for wherever he goes next. Yeah, definitely right. Final one before we go, Doyle. We don't know a great deal about his successor, Julian Ward. We know he was he's currently the assistant sporting director. Before that, he was the loan and pathways manager. And I think it comes at a fascinating time for he to be the man to take on kind of the next phase for FSG and at Liverpool when you kind of consider whilst, yes, Michael Edwards has done a great deal of transfer business, there are now a number of young players within the squad whose pathways to the first team could be glaringly obvious. You keep an eye on a number of the, the youth sides, but when you kind of consider the likes of Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, Kyde Gordon, even some of the, the other guys in the youth team, it feels as though there is a pathway now of even having brought in some real young players to now escalate them and have that pathway to bring them into the first team, which is obviously where Julian Ward excels, whether it be actual first-team footballers for Liverpool or increasing their transfer market value to, to kind of sell them and reinvest that into to other areas of the squad. Well, that's it. And also, with dealing with loan players and loan deals, you've got experience in you know dealing with other clubs and, and, and the way things work when you're trying to, trying to sort out transfers. Admittedly, not big money transfers, but it's still a move, isn't it? And everything else that, that, that's, that involves. It was interesting, Michael Edwards said in his... Um, in his open letter or opening letter, as Sean calls it, um, he, he mentioned the fact that he, you know, very much like myself, don't expect to hear a lot from Julian. So, uh, you know, they, they do like to be behind the scenes. Rightly so. I mean, let's face it, the people who make them into these, I'm not going to say celebrities, but they are figures, are us. But us on the back of fans being interested on in who who does what. I mean, back when, when you know, when I was a lot younger, Nobody, there was no such Crikey, thing. That was a long time yeah, ago. exactly. Yeah. yeah, there was no such thing as a no such thing as a transfer. Well, there probably was. But that's the whole point. There wasn't a transfer, transfer committee. There wasn't well, a transfer window. Huh? It was well. There wasn't. Yeah, there were just transfers all the time. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It's like, and you heard like of managers just driving up to people's houses and like say, "Do you want to join us?" You know, and having a cup of tea or whatever. Or probably something a bit stronger, to be honest. Or meeting up, you know, at a at a service station in Haydock. Believe me, that used to happen. You know, and have little chats when no one else should be should be there. So. That, you know, it's changed a lot since then, but these people are needed. That's what we've seen it, as, as, as Theo said, as yourself said, you're seeing that more and more clubs are taking on these sporting directors or directors of football because the actual manager's job is so, so 
all encompassing. You know, it's, it's so difficult for them. They can't go off and, you know, as I say, just go driving off and meeting people here, there and everywhere. I mean, they still do. You saw that with, uh, you know, with Virgil van Dijk. He said that Jurgen Klopp pers pers helped persuade him to come to Liverpool as opposed to go to, to elsewhere. And that's happened with lots of other players as well. That's the impact of the manager. And ultimately, whichever player comes in, as we've seen at Liverpool, Klopp is the one who has the final say. It's that like some Michael Edwards and it will be Julian Ward who will be in, in charge of this particular section of team uh, at the club who will go through all of the potential, you know, and it's not just the potential transfer targets. It's also the players that they've got at the club as well. What can happen with them? Whether should they should be staying, whether they should be getting more, you know, as you say, moved up to a different level, whether they should be let go, whether it's time to move people on. I'm pretty sure that the, you know, the transfer, you know, pretty sure the transfer committee, call it what you like, recruitment team, would have had a bit of a say in how much do you reckon Gini Van Alden's worth for his contract? You know, we'll never really know about that one. Well, as you say, maybe when the other biographies come out, we might find out. But I'm sure they'll have had some kind of input in that. So, you know, it is it is a big job. And that's why all the clubs are all starting, all starting to do that. And again, it's such a specific job with specific qualities. Again, what... Um, Edward said in his letter and what uh, Mike Gordon said as well is that the only way you can learn them is on the job and to have had an assist to have appointed an assistant sporting director as I say last December when there'd never been one before that was looking back as the ultimate hint that yeah he was being groomed to be a successor and Liverpool as I say kind of had an inkling that Michael Edwards wouldn't be lasting beyond his, his current deal which expires in at the end of the season which is exactly how, how it's panned out so you know, FSG don't get many. Well, well I say don't get many things right. I say don't get all things right. I mean, um, yeah. they don't get they don't get all things. That, that that's one. Or that's going to get clipped, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah some people, this, yeah. Some they don't get that, they yeah. don't get all things right. But clearly, one thing that they've done here is they've given themselves every chance to ensure that the departure of Michael Edwards doesn't become doesn't prompt a massive upheaval and has a massive effect on the club and the way things are run. Yeah, before the lights in the office go out on Theo Squires, we will wrap <laughs> things up here with this breaking Blood Red podcast. We'll be back, of course, on Friday with the latest Liverpool news. Check out all the content across the Blood Red channel. We do have a podcast that went out earlier in the day as well, talking about Steven Gerrard, who's closing in, it seems, on that job at Villa Park. We'll discuss that in much more detail, I'm sure, on Friday, plus plenty more besides. Do head across to the Liverpool Echo website, where you can read Michael Edwards' open letter and plenty more reaction. But from myself, Guy Clark, Sean Bradbury, Ian Doyle and the O Squires, Thanks for that. That's all we've got time for. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.